Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Aaron Pym, and what I like to do here on the pod is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to talk about sex and sexuality with me. Today, I have someone back onto the podcast, everybody. So very, very excited to chat with her again. Please welcome to the mic, everybody, Shelby Avan, intimacy coach and healer. Hey, Shelby. Hi, thanks for the intro. Of course. Anytime, anytime. You were so great. Last time you were on, we talked about so many awesome things. So I was like so eager to do this again with you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I I was actually, I think that was one of my favorite podcasts that I've been on so far. I was very happy. I was like, this feels like the most authentic version of all the fun things that I like to talk about. Oh, I love that. I really do love that. Um, (laughs) And we've got a really great list of uh, things that we wanted to touch on today uh maybe just for people who don't know you or didn't catch the last episode do you want to just talk about um what it is that you do intimacy coach and healer so maybe you could just Mm -hmm. tell us what that means yeah so basically like what it is that i do is i like to i i want to help people create deeper intimacy within themselves so that they can have better intimacy in all of their relationships um, but it just, it comes with having to work on the self first. So um, understanding how it is that we need to communicate, like what, is, what are our needs? What are our boundaries? Um, what are some of the stories and wounding that can affect us in ways that really aren't helpful to our relationship to self or to others and can just get us into trouble um, or cause us to pick partners that aren't actually the best for us. We get in these negative patterns. Um, so basically I just, I help you to fix all of that so that you can have a better, better relationships in your life. Lives. Life. Life. Lives lives you have. (laughs) All the lives. Past lives. Past and present and future. (laughs) Cat lives. Yeah. Nine lives. Great. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Fuck. That's like important work. Like, (laughs) thank you. Seriously, man. Like, I feel like so often in relationships that exact thing happens where it's like past narratives we've learned, past behavior we're de- we've developed, like old relationships, like all of our stuff that we carry, all our narratives we tell ourselves about, you know, how we relate to other people, like we carry that into all our new relationships, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just so valuable when you're looking at it like that of where... <laughs> where were we attached? Where were we insecurely attached, you know? Um, yeah. And how are we bringing that, all of that into this present relationship with this person that, you know, didn't do any of that stuff. <laughs> that yeah. was other people that did that stuff, you know? To, yeah. yeah. Well, that part, that part can be so hard too, is, you know, it can, even if it's just one person, you could project that all over yeah. the next person if they, you know, if they're, they follow up. <laughs> that other person that really didn't work out so well, you know, it's, it can be really, really hard. And like, I've, I've done that to people and they're like, I really don't like that you compare me. I was like, shit, oh, yeah. damn, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> I hear you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's important. That's important to say. Like, you yeah. know, I'm not the be all and end all. Like, I fuck up too, guys. Like, yeah. you know, we're all in this together. Everybody struggles with this stuff. Even me, mm-hmm. you know. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, I didn't, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gotten into this if I wasn't really messing it up pretty hard. <laughs> like, I need, I need help. Someone send help with me. I need to do something yeah. here. Yeah, like, people aren't drawn to go into, like, therapeutic practice and energy work if they haven't been desiring that uh, something for themselves, you know, some healing for themselves at some point. Like, you don't just randomly go into work like that. It's It's because you think it's important, you know? Yeah, so. well, you're in pain and not the type of pain you enjoy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not kinky pain. <laughs> no, well, no. I mean, yeah, I don't I don't know if people have emotional kinky pain like that or not, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's very emotional fun. Emotional masochists, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sadgasms, pouty yeah. orgasms, yeah, some people yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, our first topic, I'm down with this because this includes kink so Mm -hmm. yay um (laughs) we wanted to talk about healing codependency in relationships and that can include like you know in kink dynamics as well okay so first maybe just explain (laughs) to folks what is codependency maybe let's just start there well okay so i feel like codependency is this it's like this um contract that you have with another human, but you don't really realize that you guys have this contract together, (laughs) but it's basically like, I need, I need you and you need me. Um, but it's in this really unhealthy way. So, um, usually it's something like I, I need to fix you or I need to heal you because that will validate me. It'll also give me control and then like I'll also be able to keep you. So that would be like a more anxious side of the codependent relationship. And then on the, on the other side of it, it's, I don't know. It's like this, it's this victim. Um, it's like this victim mentality because codependency, I think originally comes from addiction and, um, alcoholism. Okay. Okay. So you can see that's probably the better way I can start with actually is, um, you know, like the people that are surrounding the person that's an alcoholic. So the alcoholic is always causing chaos and always asking for help. And then people are like, I, you know, if I love this person enough, if I just keep giving them money, if I keep helping them, eventually they'll, they'll get fixed at some point. Like I will be their savior. And that's not what happens. Like it just keeps enabling the alcoholic. And until, so what the alcoholic gains from that is, you know, I don't actually have to deal with my shit because you're the one that's trying to help me. You're trying to fix me. Um, And as long as you're doing that, I don't have to um, hold myself accountable to anything. Hmm. And so that's very much what happens in, can happen in any type of insecure relationship. If it's like an anxious and avoidant type of relationship or a fearful avoidant and then whichever other relationship, anxious or dismissive again. Um, and th- and those things can just happen. Like we just, you know, something's going on, someone's hurting. Um, one person wants to fix it, but they don't realize that we're, they're not giving any autonomy to the other human to actually do the work that they need to do, to learn how to emotionally regulate, to learn how to communicate properly, to actually s- express their needs, say their boundaries and really truly know who the other person is. Like we're in codependent relationships. No one actually knows who the other, who either person is because hmm. they're kind of like people pleasing and 
enabling essentially you're all enabling your own everybody's kind of individual role toxic role they're playing in a relationship yeah and it's like these covert contracts that just (laughs) are not good yeah so like that's an interesting word this contract like Mm -hmm. social contracts right that we all Mm -hmm. kind of enter into without thinking about or without you know um, defining for each other or examining or breaking down Mm -hmm. it's like assumptions that we make about relationships right yeah well and they can even be you know we can have codependent a lot of people have codependent relationships with their with their family with their parents so right like I I did um and for example with my like um with my mom I can think of at one point in time I didn't realize that this was a bad thing until I did um but she would always say, and my dad would actually say this to me too, like, you're my rock. And then as I started learning more about that, I was like, that is no, not okay. Yeah, no pressure for a kid. Yeah, I was like, yeah, like, to be I think, the one that needs yeah. to be. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, shouldn't you be supporting me? <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, but some, but yeah, like, until you start to learn about it or recognize it, it's your normal. So you don't know. So if we're recognizing some sort of codependency that's happening in our relationships, like, Mm -hmm. what is the very first kind of step towards healing that? (sighs) That's a big question. (laughs) What is, yeah. (laughs) But like, what's what some Mm -hmm. of the very first baby little adjustments people can make? Well, I think it's just educating yourself first. Like, so if, you know, it just some, (laughs) the steps can be very, very large. So sometimes it's just kind of like, okay, I need to see, let me just dive into learning about codependency first. And let me see, like, what are the habits? What are the things? Like, why is this bad? Um, Who might I have these relationships with? You'll probably find a lot of people. (laughs) If you're, if you're codependent, a lot of people around you will be in that contract with you because that's again, you're, you're normal. Um, so do that. And then eventually it's just kind of starting to learn. Like I like, I like to utilize certain tools. Like I really like attachment styles. That's part of what helps me figure out, like figure myself out. And then I don't know, be able to kind of direct people in a way where there's certain things they can do. Cause an anxious person is going to need to do something different than a more dismissive person. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the gist, the gist of it is like the stepping stones are to begin to start to learn what it is that you truly need, um, what you're not giving yourself, what you feel like you're relying on someone else to give you. And it's kind of like, I don't know, in relationships. So I know one big one for me is for example, like physical touch, and that can be a really hard one to get, or you can, it can feel like a big roadblock to give yourself. It's like, how exactly am I going to give myself physical touch that I really enjoy? Like this, this is supposed to come from another human. How, like this is impossible to get, right? Mm-hmm. But then if we, if we decide that we want physical touch or sex from someone that's really not good for us, but they're filling that need for us, then we can get in this relationship where like, I need this thing and I will basically do anything to get it. I will deal with poor behavior to get it because this is a big, big need in my life, right? So I think, you know, after COVID, that's probably something a lot of people have experienced. Be like, I was isolated for so long. I need human connection. I want touch and may accept people that just aren't, you know, as high quality as you would want for yourself. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. Just because you need that need met, that immediate mm-hmm. need met. Impulsive yeah. So, need met. Yeah. Yeah. So then how can you meet it? And it's like, you know, you could get a pet, you could hug, hug animals, you can hug your friends. If it's a bit available to you, you can even just do like really nice sensual self-touch, like a mm-hmm. massage, have a bath, you know, you could do your own self-pleasuring masturbation things. You could do other sensual uh, or like sensation plays on yourself or I don't know, whatever other like kinky things that you like, like you can give that to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Even stuff mm-hmm. like, I think when people hear like sensual touch, like mm-hmm. with physical touch and like solo sen- sensual touch, it's like people think that it, it's um, got to be sexual in some way, but it's like, mm-hmm. there's so many types of touch that you can do with yourself. Like you get a fucking weighted blanket. You can like yeah. snuggle up on the couch with like a big stuffy stuffed animal or something like get mm-hmm. out the heating pad, like, you yeah. know, engage all your senses. You know, if you're a person that likes certain scents, you know, um, mm-hmm. aromatherapy, visual stuff like having really soft lovely warm comfortable lighting you know um like lots there's lots you can do I think when people are like you know touch starved like you were saying a lot of people were it's like a lot of people just think oh the cure is like okay well masturbation I guess and it's like (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah there's like so many things you can do that I think are overlooked often Mm-hmm. Well, even you can even do it when you're working out. So if if someone likes, I like yoga mm-hmm. and I like dance. And some of the things that I found that I enjoy to do a lot more now, specifically with the yoga is I'll make it way more sensual. So if I can move from one move into the next and drag my hands across my body to get to the next move, um, like I'll, I'll do it. So there's, I don't know, there's one that I was thinking of, like, it's basically like a triangle, you have your hand on the ground and then I'll, I'll bring my like hand up my leg over my torso, over my, over my boobs. And then it, then my hand goes up into the air. So there's like different ways that you can just make different things that you're doing, um, in your life more sensual in, in general and give yourself more touch like that. I also just like rolling around mm. on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Like I like to dance. I I, I started doing some contemporary. I like work. to do <laughs> floor work. It's you're fun. doing full floor routine. I, it is sometimes <laughs> a little more contemporary, sometimes a little more sexy. <laughs> but yeah, I love I love rolling around on the floor. I think it's so fun, especially the well, <laughs> And then it's yeah, there's dancey versions, and there's like I just like to lay on a carpet. There's either options. Great, just get on the floor. <laughs> yeah, it's grounding too. Yeah, you're literally on the ground. So I was just going to yeah. say that. It's like, you know, what do we do on the ground? We like meditate on the ground. We do yoga on the ground. It's like all these kind of mm-hmm. grounded types of activities. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, just get a fucking yoga mat out and lie on the ground and breathe mm-hmm. and like engage your senses. Do a body scan, you mm-hmm. know, do a guided meditation where you're maybe doing visualizing. Do like listen to music that moves you um like all of these practices I feel like when we talk about doing senses and solo sensual play it's like the first step is gonna be um to drop you in your body you know Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. rather than just being kind of a walking talking brain it's like do things that encourage you to engage with your body and feel your body and Mm -hmm. Um, and then 
you know, and then everything's a sensual experience. Everything you kind of are doing around your little apartment, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Use all the floor space in that apartment that you can. Get Crawl all the way around there. (laughs) (laughs) Around the bed and back. Go do it a few times. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) <laughs> when I was young, whenever we're bored, my mom's like, go run around the block. <laughs> go run around. It's true, though. <laughs> yeah. See what you can find in that one block radius. Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think it's important to like, when we talk about like us time, solo time, like a lot of people require, you know, lo- alone time to recharge or to connect with themselves or to find out identity outside of relationships or to do like sexual play, like, like masturbation Mm and, and um, self-pleasuring and stuff like that. It's like, I think a lot of folks are afraid to be alone, you know, Mm -hmm. are afraid to be by themselves, but it's Mm -hmm. like, it's so, it can be very important. Yeah, it, it really can be. And um, one thing that I'm kind of like paralleling over to right now is, um, in building that intimacy with self, especially if, um, if you're someone that you is like, you find yourself more anxious, you're more dysregulated. And also if you've kind of, if you've had some trauma come up in your life, um, really learning to listen to your body and when it's getting anxious, what it does, mm. what the signs are, and then also what happens during sex. So when you're masturbating, like, are you going too fast for your own body? Is your body rejecting (laughs) your own touch because you're not actually touching yourself right? Like Mm -hmm. things like that to really start to understand and, and become more intimate with yourself. Like it's, it's a very big process. There was a point in time that I, I actually, I was trying to touch my body and I, I had to stop because I wasn't able to handle my own touch because I was just so emotional, felt really dysregulated. Things were th- things were coming up for me. And I was like, I just, <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't, <laughs> I can't do anything right now. And I just stopped. And that's something that I've had to start to learn is to be like, okay, you know, what types of touch work for me? Yeah. On what my own end. What does yeah. my body want? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and then how can I speak up to a partner? Because like, you're not going to know that unless you start to learn that on your own. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, how are we supposed to get in a partnered scenario, um, you know, and tell them how we want to be touched, you know, for instance, mm-hmm. or in the moment stuff like, hey, do you mind if we switch position for this reason? Or like, you mm-hmm. know, do you mind if I grab a toy? Or do you like requests during play as well? It's like... If you're not in the practice of listening to your body and kind of knowing that stuff, how are you supposed to bring that to a couple scenario where you're, where, or, or couples or more some scenario where yeah. you're then needing to communicate that stuff? It's like, oh, well, I don't really know what listening to my body is like and what, you know, mm-hmm. how slow I need to go or what kind of nuanced touch I like or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just important information to have. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard stuff. Like like communicating what you want, it's hard. That's you know, everybody struggles with that kind of stuff. Well, it's vulnerable. That's the reason people don't want to do it, because in 
it's highly likely that it's been rejected or questioned or shamed or, or whatever situation mm-hmm. has come up before. Right. And so you're like, uh, I don't want to, cause like I need it to be met, but I kind of prefer to maybe just protect myself instead. And, you know, maybe I'll deal with not having it and hopefully get the connection, some connection that I want and I'll settle for this. And it's just like, it's just, you know, not really ideal. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't it's lead sad. to ideal situations. Yeah. I was hanging out with two of my friends last night. We were just talking about, we were all fucking bullied like crazy when we were young, mm-hmm. you know, young girls. Mm-hmm. Fucking people can be mean. Kids are mean. Like, but like you yeah. carry, you just carry so much stuff with you, right? That you bring into like sexual scenarios, mm-hmm. um, you know, romantic relationship scenarios. You just bring so much. So much is informing you. Like you just, you're a sponge when you're a young person. Yeah. And you don't even need to have, yeah. And you can have one, like one thing happened to you one time that was significant enough um, or mean enough, or like you didn't understand or really confused you that felt really disconnecting. Um, And that can cause, (laughs) cause like the standout, I don't know, like big or small T trauma um, in your body that you'll remember. And it's like, hmm. You know, I wasn't consistently bullied, but there was that one time that really fucking sucked. Yeah. And then like layering on all these other experiences, it's like, wow, we have so much unique Mm -hmm. (laughs) trauma (laughs) Mm -hmm. that makes us, you know, that we're made up of. It's like really Mm -hmm. wild. It's, I guess it shows why (laughs) this is work like what you do is just so freaking and important and necessary because like yeah eh, it be, just be so much you need to sift through you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so learning about all this stuff would be like the number one thing yes all the things learn everything <laughs> learn, as much learn as possible. learn it all <laughs> yeah. yeah so like seek a professional you know if it's within your budget yeah for sure like and there are always other options right so like Depending on what it is that you need to. So I like as a coach, I do something different than what a therapist does. So a therapist can, will really help if there's, I would say if there's like mental health issues, if there's more psychological stuff going on, if they really are dealing from big, big traumas from the past, that's for a therapist. That might be for a somatic practitioner, someone that does de-armoring, someone that does uh, like sexological body work. Depends on what your, like where your comfort level is on that stuff. But there's certain levels of trauma where that's that's where people should be. And then there's other, like depending where you are, um, if you're not in the depths of that, then I think that coaching is a really great space for you to be because then it's more so focusing on like, okay, I, yes, I've had all these traumas and like there's stuff presenting now, but I'm ready to work on it and, and fix it and, um, and heal and become more secure. And... Um, I think it's just, I just noticed there's a big difference if you're like really, really deep in trauma, then it seems to be the right place for therapist time. Um, but if you're, if you're feeling really fragile, that's probably therapist time. And if you're feeling stronger, then that's more so coaching time. Like you can still feel bad, but mm-hmm. you're like, I'm ready. I'm ready to, to deal with the pain. Um, then that's good time for coaching. Absolutely. Yeah. That makes total mm-hmm. sense. Um, so we mentioned very briefly, um, attachment styles and you really yes. like this is one of the roots of the stuff that you work in so I'm really interested mm-hmm. um I know we want to eventually talk about like attachment style and sex um mm-hmm. and kind of how that manifests in those scenarios but like let's just go over attachment style 
um, first, just for, for folks who aren't um, familiar. Okay. So there are four types of attachment styles. Um, the, the first one is secure. So it's the person that is able to regulate themselves very easily. They're able to communicate. They are able to express their boundaries. They, they, like they've dealt with stuff, but they can, they can talk themselves out of the stories that they have in their head and the wounding doesn't cause, um, anxiety and, uh, anxious or avoidant tendencies and behaviors. So they're pretty, these are pretty like even keel goals, solid, solid humans. These are the real, the real rocks <laughs> in a really good way. <laughs> great okay yeah we strive we strive for it yeah yeah (laughs) they've done the work yeah yeah um and then there's the anxious which are basically you know what what they sound like these humans are they're more anxious they're more like in quotations needy is probably how they'll be described um the energy that i feel from these people are a lot more grabby um but it's just that they're like biggest wounding is abandonment. They're really scared that they're going to be abandoned and left alone um, and that they won't be loved. And that's some, I think that's something that everyone has, but it seems to be really strong in the anxious Mm -hmm. people. Um, And then I like to say some of the standout signs for me, for an anxious human is um, if you just start talking to them and then they send you like three scrolling pages worth of texts, you're probably dealing with an an anxious, an anxious human being. Like you don't really have to prompt them too much. They have a story for you. (laughs) (laughs) They like to dish. Got it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) These people, they like people please a lot and stuff too. So, um, yes. Oh, why are mm -hmm. you looking at me when you said that? Yeah. I wasn't looking at you. I wouldn't have actually, I would not have thought that you were anxious, to be honest. No, it's more people pleasing, recovering people pleaser over here. Absolutely. That's Um, okay. I think a lot of people are, to be honest. It's just, yes. That's okay. It'd be boring if it was easy. (laughs) (laughs) What would we talk about? All right. (laughs) Where would would the kinks come from if it was easy? Like, there'd be no taboo. It'd be no fun. (laughs) Exactly. The Bedpost Podcast is sponsored by Come As You Are. Founded as a worker-owned cooperative, Come As You Are has a fundamentally anti-capitalist and feminist approach to sexual pleasure, health, and education. Come As You Are doesn't profit from your pleasure and only stocks products that they truly love and believe in. Come As You Are has been voted best sex shop in Toronto since 1997. Check them out at comeasyouare.com or 254 Augusta Avenue in Toronto's own Kensington Market. We are also sponsored by Club M4 Toronto. Club M4 is the largest sexually charged lifestyle club in the GTA. And now you can go to their website, www.clubm4.com. But one of my favorite things to do is to go on Instagram at Club M4 Events and check out what they have going on. So just scrolling through here, we have Wednesday afternoon play party, game night, threesome Fridays, sexy lingerie, Club M4's fetish fantasy, and New Year's Eve glitz and glamour. 
If anything looks interesting and you want to check it out, head on down to Club M4 at 1989 Dundas Street, Mississauga. Um, so dismissive would be next. And um, dismissive is dismissive avoidant. These are the people that are, they're the ones that are kind of like, I can do everything on my own. I am good. Like, I don't need your help. They have a really hard time receiving. They are pretty stoic. They can actually seem, I think they can actually seem pretty secure at first. Um, And they can seem very like independent and capable. Um, But it's literally because they have learned to just do things alone and they don't. um, Yeah, that's a trauma response, essentially. Yeah, Yeah. because it's basically like they just didn't, usually it comes from when you're younger. Um, and you just learned that if you would try to reach out and get something from your your parents or from people that you loved and cared about, they wouldn't give it to you. And they just were like, well, there's no point in going here. I'm just going to stop asking. And, uh, and they just start to rely on, on themselves. And so they might go, they might also go into um, like create these connections in their own ways, being it could be in um, like through books or in a fantasy land in their own head. It could be through games um, or TV, for example. And then uh, what else do they do? That's so interesting. I'm like, I know there's like, most people can kind of slot them in, slot themselves into a category. For me, I like, mm-hmm. every time I hear about attachment theory, I'm like, my, my therapist doesn't do attachment theory. Uh, um, theory stuff but anytime mm-hmm. I hear about it I like see myself in every <laughs> in every type I'm like oh yeah that's the I don't know for me I'm like maybe I'm a little bit of everything <laughs> don't you worry we haven't got to fearful avoiding yet so yeah, you're probably, probably there that too. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little bit of everything that's what my attachment was so <laughs> okay 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 so that's the thing yeah it is so um avoidance are also actually very anxious they just don't show it my example of avoidance is like they will they'll look very solid on the inside but basically on the inside their anxiety is like these little electrons pinging around like a gas um, a gas molecule like solid liquid gas they are Mm -hmm. the gas things bouncing around inside them but yeah they won't they won't show it um and they're more likely to shut down as well they um they don't they don't cling they push away and then they shut down and go into like a major hidey hole (laughs) with all their creature comforts when they feel really dysregulated oh that's such a trauma response yeah Mm -hmm. yeah sad yeah and then um and then fearful avoidant so fearful avoidant is like the chaotic roller coaster of both (laughs) (laughs) chaos is the keyword for a fearful avoidant (laughs) um so they can swing back and forth basically so it can be fearful avoidance can be really misunderstood because you can get into a dynamic with someone and um like if there's so uh, say there's you know some sort of issue argument uh something going on and the fearful avoidant fa can blow up try to like set a really hard boundary um dip for a little bit like a day or maybe less it depends on how how much of the avoidance side they kind of lean towards but they'll break off contact not want to talk to you and then all of a sudden the anxiety will get to be too much for them and then they'll come back and be like hey wait why haven't you talked to me yeah 
I regret everything. Reverse everything I said. Yeah. And then, so depending on how it goes, it can just swing back and forth like that because if the person connects with them again, um, the FA is basically just kind of pretty fearful of vulnerability. So then they make that connection. They're like, oh, I don't really know if I actually want to be, like, I do want to be seen, but I don't know if I can actually be trusted, like trust to be seen. So I might have to pull back again because it might be too much. And then, (laughs) yeah, it can just kind of go in this circle of up and downs, push away, come back. Wow. Love you. Love you. I hate you. That sounds like somebody that has like a lot of complex trauma. Yeah, that was commonly what um, FAs were kind of lumped in with, but it's not, I think there's a lot more, um, there's a lot more reasons that people can become FA that aren't as, um, well, I don't want to say aren't as big, like, because again, I I don't feel like I had a lot of um, like big, big trauma stuff, but I recognize certain things that happened, like even with my, um, like my family almost split up. Mm-hmm. And, um, and for me, I, the way that things were handled, um, th- like it just really got that going for me. Like I wanted to connect, I wanted to connect. I think I leaned more into my avoidance side when all of that was going on. Um, but yeah, but like, I, I don't know, it can come from different places. Yeah, you're so right. It's like, you know, why all this stuff is so relatable to people is because we all have like, you know, so much like we were saying before it's like big t trauma little t trauma micro trauma Mm -hmm. like you when you're young you're just a fucking sponge for all this stuff and it just becomes so complex and you just carry it all it's like the tiniest little things all through your life you know can add Mm -hmm. up in a way in a really profound profound impactful way Mm um yeah that you that inform you you know in relationships so yeah yeah sad Mm mm-hmm yeah. But it can be fit, like it can be healed if you want to do the work and if you recognize some of those, like some of those things, you can most definitely do it. You just have to be willing to step in. Yeah, and I'm ass- assuming. So if we're saying like education about this stuff, you know, is the mm-hmm. first step. Then I guess like the first step is is recognizing, you know, when you're doing stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that one of the, like one of the big things that I'll take people through when I'm coaching them is we'll kind of start to understand what um, core wounds are really starting to take over um, and cause. Like they're kind of it's kind of like they're running your life. So, um, you know, if you don't really think that you're good enough, then you could be sabotaging and um, and trying to people people please in different ways so that they might see you in a certain way that is advantageous to you right um but then you're not truly showing yourself and then all of a sudden now you also have this other wound where you're like i don't feel seen it's because well yeah you're not because <laughs> you're not showing your true self because you're afraid yeah. yeah um so it's just yeah it's just like understanding different things and different types of woundings and whatnot um yeah but yeah so oh, i forgot to say core wounds for the other for the other attachment style so fearful avoidance one of their biggest ones is actually betrayal a betrayal wound and with the avoidant um it's being defective like they really truly feel like something's wrong with them because they didn't get the love that they should have gotten so like why you know why was i never worthy or worthy good of enough love. to have yeah, yeah to yeah. get this what's what's wrong with me that i couldn't get that and then yeah um yeah the fa is it's betrayal because usually people were inconsistent their family was inconsistent with them or there could be like very very 
big significant things where they were in a home where it was there was chaos so that could be like you know they were in a foster home there was a lot of people there there were people coming in and out all the time um maybe their family was um there could be like mental illness or um drinking or drugs or like unsafe people right it's it could be a lot of different things that could cause the um the feeling of betrayal from humans in their lives to to happen and 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 root down and cause that wound for an FA. Okay. All these poor babies. I just want to hug them. Um, mm-hmm. So, okay. So when we're talking about discussing like attachment style in relation to sex and intimate scenarios, like, mm-hmm. um, so can we talk about like how each attachment might, might respond to, to sexual encounters and sexual connections? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So an anxious, an anxious style will, probably have sex very quickly because <laughs> they will, they will want a lot of touch. They will want to, they will want a lot me. of, <laughs> they will want that type of connection because it's, um, validating. Uh, but then also in, in that they will go into, um, people pleasing mode, which then causes reduced pleasure on their, like for themselves. Cause they're, yeah. You know, they're, they're just trying to take care of the, yeah, yeah. And they're trying to take care of the other person more than they're actually trying to consider themselves, which, you know, like it's, um, it's, it sucks. Cause I don't know, but I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure that you probably have this too, but like, I really like seeing other people's pleasure. I like to see when someone else is turned on as well. And like, I get a lot of joy from that. And yeah, if I you're a lot of people, feel that way yeah 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 and so like if you're not actually being honest and showing me what it is that you truly want like well how am I gonna have how am I gonna have fun with you <laughs> right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so you're you're saying not only are they missing out on on their own pleasure and having yeah. the chance to be centered and connect with their bodies and mm-hmm. you know be real with the person be authentic with the person um it's like the other person is missing out as well because that other person just really does want to know what you like and do what you like and mm-hmm. you know have this really connective moment with you and share this thing with you and you're not letting them yeah yeah i i learned yeah at one point in my like people pleasy journey I, that was something that really hit me in that, like, I'm not, um, that, that behavior, that type of behavior specifically is a form of emotional unavailability, right? So yeah. it's like, even though I wouldn't say that, you know, I'm, um, like avoidant or, you know, I'm not a person that doesn't want to let people in. Um, I'm not a cold person. I'm a person that wants love so badly and wants to connect with people. So it's like that, you know, you're right there. You're um, not allowing other people to really know you or really connect Mm -hmm. with you, which, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you're untrustworthy. um, Mm -hmm. You know, in a way it's like you're, you're, um, when you say yes to things, you know, yeah. that you're not really into or that you don't really care about or things that mm-hmm. you actively don't really enjoy doing, um, when you're saying yes to that, you're being untrustworthy, right? Yeah. Um, and that's... Yeah, you're just... Yeah, you're proving to yourself that you're not trustworthy. Yeah. And you're, mm-hmm. like, putting your the other person 
in a shitty position, like both ethically, but like, yeah. Um, also, yeah, just that person, you know, probably wants to just help you have a great time in bed and you're, yeah. Yeah. yeah so it sucks for both of you. That's, I yeah. think that, thank you for saying that. I think that's a really important aspect of this that a lot of people don't think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That the well, other yeah, person it's... is missing out too. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's the, the people pleasing thing is like, I like to be pretty blunt about it. It's ultimately actually quite selfish because it's like, it's, you know, it's, it is actually a way of trying to control in a way that the the person won't leave is ideally what you're trying to do. But again, you're not being honest and mm-hmm. every, like everything that you've just said, right? Like they're not being honest with themselves. They're not actually taking themselves into consideration. They're probably having therefore like these self consent violations which then means the partner is also violating their consent but they don't even know about it which just isn't fair yeah so yeah so and then i guess i guess finally the gist of it is um so they're looking for physical connection instead of deep emotional connection although they want both but they kind of like don't actually allow the room for that emotional connection because they're not really being truly honest and they don't know themselves because they're always people pleasing sad again sad (laughs) Mm -hmm. um okay so i'll move into uh I'm going to do a different order this time. Fearful avoidant. Um, so for the fearful avoidant, they fear deep connections and will only place it in really like one place or another. Um, so they could place that deep connection in sex or emotional connection, but not both. It's too scary if it's in both places, they can't connect on both levels. It's just like, it's a lot. It's overwhelming. Um, they can have a tendency of getting resentful and spiteful. Um, so anger is also kind of like a key anger or irritation is like a key thing for a fearful avoidant. And they can be a bit more like hot on the trigger of (laughs) getting them mad. Um, but they can get resentful about not feeling like, um, their needs are getting met or that they're being respected. And, um, they can actually, they can either like, I don't want to necessarily say they can be a little bit manipulative with sex because they might with, like withhold mm-hmm. in order to to be like mm, out of spite. Like, no, you're <laughs> you irritated me today. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which <laughs> as you do, as you do, which as you do the laugh, I'm like, okay. But then, if you want to, you can consensually play with this in a kink dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. If you want, and this is and this it's is called where, like, tease some and of the... denial. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, so if you're aware of that, that's where the healing can come in. Is just like, okay, I recognize these are the things that I'm having trouble with. Um, how about I utilize this in a really um, consensual way that myself and my partner or partners will enjoy. Yeah, so they uh, they really lack trust and integrity with the way that they go about things too. So these uh, fearful avoidance might be are the more they might be the ones that will cheat more often. Um, okay. they or like just that... use sex as a tool, right? It's like um, um, using yeah. sex as a manipulation tool. Um, yeah, you know, and not even slotting it in this particular attachment style. It's like pe- people do that. You know, that's mm-hmm. something folks do. People have sex for a variety of reasons, you know. One being, one of the they actually do here, which is one of my notes, is um, uh, they the FAs can use sex to reconnect without actually repairing the um, like an argument. Aha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it feels like you're connected afterwards because you've had sex, but you're you're not actually 
that connected because you haven't had the conversations that you need to have of, you know, what hurts actually happened and yeah, what needs like to be Yeah, it's like a fixed. fake resolution so they don't have to do the other, yeah. the other work or the emotional work. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Okay. Yes. And then, so for the dismissive avoidant, um, they're the ones that fear that deeper connection because, again, they've been shown in the past that they, you know, when they put themselves out there, they're not going, it's not going to be received well. They're not going to get what they need. So they may not allow themselves to connect their emotions to sex. They may be more likely to have like one night stands or short, I guess, shorter relationship type of dynamics where again, that emotional connection doesn't really have to be there. They can lack vulnerability or expression of their needs. It's not that it's not there. It's just that it's, again, it's like repressed and they can't really access it because it's been pushed down. Um, and then shame is a really big thing for the dismissive avoidance. And, um, and they can also shut down if int- real intimacy is actually reached. And they just get scared. Nowhere I've seen, nowhere maybe I've seen, seen this kind of typically is in polyamory when somebody's mm-hmm. like oversaturated mm-hmm. and it's almost like, you know, not intentionally, obviously, but it's, you know, they put themselves in that scenario where they have tons of partners and it's kind of sets them up to not have too much emotional connection with any Mm -hmm. of them it's like they're you know when you have so many people and only finite time and energy it's like Mm -hmm. it it allows them to do that thing of not really being able to connect with anybody because yeah yeah I've seen that yeah a bunch yeah I've I've seen that too and I recognize it and um I I don't know if I think I may have tried to call it out once and they're like no And you're like, but yes, <laughs> but yes, I, I see yes. it, but I, I see you are not ready you're for not ready. hearing that. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. I'll bring it up in a couple months and see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting. Cause it's like, you know, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's very, I, don't, I think Polly is such an interesting um, way of doing things period, but it's like so different depending on who you're talking to, um, which, you know, what people are involved it's I don't know it's just like this (laughs) it's a web it's a complex fucking yeah 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 Yeah. um what was the other thing I was going to say with the um the dismissive avoidance though they may be more likely to disassociate in Uh, their body too yeah like a fear response of just shut down yeah yeah, yeah well, because again, if they're not going to connect their emotions kind of thing and if they're actually not feeling fully safe and they're feeling shame sex is really, it's really, it's really vulnerable. So dissociation is like the safety mechanism, which is Aww, tough though. Again, so sad. Yeah. Cause like mm-hmm. even casual sex, you know, is highly interpersonal, like it's highly mm-hmm. relational, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, if you're a person that's just, yeah, so afraid to be vulnerable, you know, yeah. due to do, do, do whatever it's, it's like, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to stay present in those moments. Mm-hmm. You're so feared, fearful to be vulnerable. Yeah. And sex is and vulnerable. Even when you don't yeah. want to, you know, you're like NSA, you know, strings attached or whatever. Sex is vulnerable. You're, like, you're whatever, naked. Man. You're naked, <laughs> yeah. man. Like, yeah, it's vulnerable in multiple ways. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then yeah. actually, so we could potentially step into the energetics of that in itself too, okay. because there's, um, like there's, there's a, I guess like a spiritual kind of belief 
which I think that this is very true that, you know, if you have sex with someone that you are, you have like these energetic cords that are connected with them, period. So (laughs) there are, (laughs) there are energetic cords that are attached no matter the situation. Um, but I can say intuition, like learning to understand what your intuition sounds like and feels again, feels like in your body. I think intuition, intuition and the nervous system go hand in hand, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. So if we're, if we're just regulated, then it's very hard to actually hear what our intuition is saying to us. Instead, what's talking is that like more egoic, um, the fear, the, um, those stories and those core wounds, they are taking over and they're trying to protect us. Um, but that's not what the intuitive voice is actually, uh, like the, the intuitive voice is very soft and you won't actually be able to hear that come through if, if you are in the fight or flight um, dysregulated ego mode, just yeah, not possible. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you're regulated, then you can actually really feel into your body. You can feel the sensations that are happening. You can recognize when something's starting to go a little off kilter. Um, and you can feel like real yeses or nos, or you can just actually feel this, this literal energy that can pull you towards someone or away from someone. And you don't have to, you know, necessarily know why you're just like, yep, this is not a good idea or this, or this really is. Mm-hmm. It's a great idea. Best idea I've ever had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so like what, how do you get regulated? I know another massive question, but like, <laughs> I don't know for me, like I recognize it just, let's say in my work, I, I can mm-hmm. only speak through my lens. Right. So like mm-hmm. someone comes in a session with me, um, and they're giving off like an anxious energy, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're nervous. I get it all. It's very understandable. Right. Especially if it's mm-hmm. the first time type of a thing, this fear of the unknown is like, sometimes it's just really palpable, like that this person is not, um, regulated. Yeah, I guess. And mm-hmm. so like, I'll do some extra work at the beginning of the session, like before we launch into any, real kind of kink play will just do like a bunch of grounding work first, you know, where I'm mm-hmm. just trying to get them a bit out of their head and a bit more kind of dropped in. So mm-hmm. I don't know if those are like super helpful tools. Like, is there stuff that you do or you recommend to people um, in your practice that are like, do you do stuff that's similar to that? Or do you have other tips for folks to kind of, get more present and yeah yeah the the gist of it is if like you just want to make people feel safe yeah yeah like if that's the basics of what you think of like how can i make someone feel more safe and more comfortable in this moment yeah what is it that they they may actually need and a lot of the times um like i I don't know if you've recognized this with clients or not but you know if you if you are that solid person if you are that rock, they will naturally start to co-regulate with your nervous system. Yeah. They'll like mirror it. Right. Yeah. 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 That's if, yeah. If you can continue to regulate cause it's, you know, yeah. We, sometimes we... <laughs> I feel myself, if the person's really anxious, like yeah. sometimes I'm like, Oh my God, I feel like my heart's beating mm-hmm. a mile a minute. I got to do something about this. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, cause I'm now dysregulated. It's like, mm-hmm. it's interesting how much you pick up on each other's energy. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like for me, when I'm doing that stuff at the beginning, 
I'm doing it too. And I let them know that I'm doing it too. Be- and mm-hmm. that it's, I want to drop in as well because, um, yeah, the more I'm dropped in, the more they're dropped in and it's, yeah, the mm-hmm. team, you're a team, you know, doing mm-hmm. the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, so a lot of the, the grounding stuff, so especially if it's coming, if you're talking about something like intimate, like sex and, and intimate <laughs> naked moments. Yeah with other humans then you know having like trying to have those those conversations that you need to have about about you know whatever it is that you like um, or don't like ahead of time um, or even in the moment if there's something that's happening in um you know in in foreplay that you don't like then you can say that so um again i can give an example like my own example which is i I don't like my neck to be touched. Um, although I found out recently that I'm actually okay with the back of it being, um, well, touched or grabbed. Um, I don't like the front or the sides being touched or grabbed, but I can actually mm-hmm. have the back. The back held is, is fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, a lot of people so, go for the neck. Yeah, and I'm like, a lot of this, people go for the neck. Listen, none of you know what you're doing. Yeah. I'm sure like 85% of you don't know what you're doing. Oh, yeah. And I don't I, like it. Yeah, I I like hate when people reach for my neck. Like, hate it. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm like, I don't know how that just, to me, I'm just like, does this not seem like something scary to you? Like, how does this? You know, how are we not having a conversation about this? The only time I've ever seen someone grab a neck, because I don't really, I don't, I'm not someone that really watches a lot of porn. I find it actually really not um, very emotionally connected, so I don't like it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm like, I don't watch a lot of porn. I don't know where you guys are finding this. If it's there, I think that's dumb. It's (laughs) everywhere in porn. Don't, don't, don't learn these things there. It's everywhere don't, in porn. Yeah. Yeah. Don't educate yourself there. It's not the right place. But like otherwise you see it in movies and it's like, you know, like scary, scary moments where this guy is holding a woman up against the wall and he's about to beat her or like someone's actually getting strangled. Like, how is that fun? Yeah. How is that not being considered? Yeah. It's wild to me to think that like of all the kink activities or kink adjacent activities you could do in a bedroom. There's mm-hmm. thousands and thousands right? of activities that the one that vanilla people have like, <laughs> you know, co-opted without knowing how to do it or having any education or, or any conversation surrounding it. The one mm-hmm. thing they've chosen is breath play. The most dangerous yeah. fucking thing that yeah. they could choose. <laughs> they yeah, they like, do no. casually, like the most casually. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had some people that are like convinced, you're like, this is going to be the best ever. I'm like, uh, no, most definitely not. I don't care if you think it's going to be the best ever. (laughs) Opinions are like assholes. (laughs) Like we all fucking have them. Like, (laughs) I don't care what you think. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Anyways. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. (laughs) We went went down a tangent. Okay, what was the point of this? Um, <laughs> What's the point of anything, Shelby? <laughs> uh, saying you don't like things when they come up. Having yes. that conversation. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's where you're going with Get that. the train back on, yeah. <laughs> yeah we're good. Um, but yeah, so like talking about things like that, or I can get, I'll give another example that happened like this week. Um, so again, with for me, I'm very energetic. Um, and... There are certain things where I can feel very just like 
caged in by someone or if it's too vulnerable or intimate for me, um, I have to, I have to shift my body position because I can't deal with them head on or they're, they're too, they're too much in my bubble or they're like something, something's happening where it's just a little bit too much stimulation. So being able to speak up about things like that, um, are, are important too. So again, I don't know if I like, sometimes I question whether like guys recognize that they're doing this, but if they go and like walk up to you, um, and then they like corner you, they corner you or they put their arms like around, like, I don't know if you're in the kitchen or something and it's, and you're kind of like, Ooh, I'm not, you know, this is new. I'm not really, I'm not used to you so much. And they put their arms around you and they're talking to you and they're really close. Like, uh, this is not, stop. no, I feel like a caged animal and this is not fun for me. No. One of my right. biggest pet peeves, like, recently in my life is, like, just getting mauled sexually. Like, I think that's a thing that people, like, I even hate to see it, um, like, in, uh, you know, film and TV and, like, whatever. I, I hate mm-hmm. when people don't slow down to do sex, when people, like, have that spontaneous, aggressive kiss. That, mm-hmm. I fucking hate. It's so cringe to me. Not only do I hate <laughs> getting mauled sexually in person, like, um, but, like, I can't even, I can't even stand watching it in media. Yeah. People having that, like, crazy, passionate, um, aggressive kiss out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't. Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree. Well, and I find like, I, again, I'm just thinking of like my own experiences with this too. And like when, for me, when that happens, there's like a wave. It's like passionate and then it goes back down and then it can like work back up and there can be like this whole working up to it, but it doesn't, it's, it's like a, you know, light a match and then whoops, the wind blew it out. <laughs> <laughs> great visual yes or like trying to start a fire that you're not very good at and you're just like using a whole bunch of matches like i'll get there eventually it'll be fine i think just keep throwing shit on it (laughs) yeah it'll eventually that's actually a really bad analogy i'm not very good at making a real fire so it might never light (laughs) anyway cycle toxic cycle (laughs) yeah never gets anywhere yeah yeah (laughs) I actually, I have a thought. Okay. This is, this is one that I like. This is something that's kind of come back into my life recently, which is um, playfulness, how fun playfulness is and how, how safe you have to feel in order to let a playful side out because a playful side is actually also very vulnerable. Absolutely. Yes. I teach Mm -hmm. a class on playful domination. I teach like improv for kinksters. A lot of these things that require you to like, yeah, be vulnerable in that way of like, you know, Mm -hmm. we might have a giggle because it's so dumb what we just did, like, and how we kind of set ourselves up for success. And yeah, talking about how can I make you feel safe that enough to make a mistake in front of me is like a huge question, right? Mm hmm. Yeah, yep, to appear 100%. silly in front of me, to, to not look perfect. Like, it's all very vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you reminded me, we didn't actually, I didn't really actually answer your emotional regulation question after you said safety, I remembered. Ah, okay, great. Okay, so um, emotional regulation. Um, there's a few different options of what you can do, but like the basics of somatic work is first identifying whatever it is that you're feeling. So actually saying, okay, I feel, um, you know, I feel angry, I feel sad, I feel anxious. And then 
identifying where it lives in your body. So for me, if it's anxiety, it usually lives in my stomach. And then you start to describe the feeling of it. So that can feel, what can it feel like for me? Like I can feel nauseous. It can feel tingly. Mm -hmm. If it's anger, it feels hot. If it's, um, if I'm shutting down, like if I'm going into a dysregulation type mode, I feel cold and I feel everything coming out of my, um, my extremities. Mm. And I actually want to go into fetal position. Um, so yeah, like noticing, being able to start to notice and name things like that are really important. Cause then once you start to name them, you, you get out of the story mm -hmm. that's kind of like causing you to dysregulate in the first place. So it's, it's actually bringing you to become uh, to a more present place, which is basically what you just what you need to do in general. If you're feeling anxious at all, like anxious is living in the past or creating stories from the past that just, you know, aren't serving you. Yeah. So it's so, another way to do that thing of like name five things in this room, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's a really, really great one too. So if you're like, really feel like you're living in a story, be like, I am here right now and I am with dog, a plant, computer, you know, a mirror, whatever it is, maybe even look at yourself in the mirror. If you, if you have one, something like that might work, might not, um, yeah, I like that yeah. actually that, cause that's kind of a bookend for me as far as like a kink scene goes all. Cause mm -hmm. I say that thing, I'm like, wherever you're carrying, you know, if you're feeling nervous about this, like wherever you're carrying mm -hmm. it, just take a moment to like, without judgment, notice where you're carrying that in your body and visualize breathing into it, you know, tight chest yeah. or like, you know, lump in the throat, nervous yeah. tummy like you described and then at the very end when I want to bring people back to reality you know if we've like gone somewhere you know mm -hmm. um then we'll do kind of those yeah those regulating things of like slowly coming back into the room now you know yeah okay. well yeah and then yeah, and, around yeah yeah and depending on the person like they might need something different too because if they're really in a story if they're really somewhere else um, you know, you have to find the thing that activates them. So like maybe a meditation might not work for them, yep. but if you did something like breath work, that might work and say, you know, let's do box breathing where you do, it's like four seconds on each side. So, you know, breathe in for hold. hold for exhale for hold for, yep. and just continue that. And, um, and that can, I find that one because it doesn't take, like you just have to focus on your breath. Hmm. There's, you can't really focus on anything else. So that one can be like a really good way to actually get someone present too. Um, without letting them get back into their brain. Cause sometimes you can do like a visualization to ground and, you know, roots into the earth or something like that, but the brain yeah. can go off sideways. So. Yeah. I, that's so funny. It's like, if I'm talking about bookends, then breathing is the one I do in the middle, like in the session, mm -hmm. I always bring people back to their breath. Yeah. Okay. Shelby, unfortunately <laughs> we have fucking chatted our asses off for an hour. <laughs> That was very good. I thoroughly enjoyed that. I always enjoy talking to you. Let's tell <laughs> the people, let's tell the people where they can book you. Cause obviously they're in love with you now and um, so. <laughs> where they can follow you. Tell, tell us all the things. Yes. Okay. So, um, my website is shelbyavan.ca. So A V A N N, um, that's my last name. So you can book in on there um, or contact me. I've got my contact forms. Um, you can follow me at Intimacy Mistress on um, Instagram, which I'm, I may end up changing my website to that too. I'm unsure. haven't committed to that part yet, but my name works. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and on my website, I've actually got an intimacy checklist. So it's a yes, no, maybe list. And it has um, an emotional column and then also has a sexual column. So you get to utilize both sides of intimacy in that, um, in that freebie. So you can sign up for that there. And then I've got, um, I have my one-on-one coaching and then I'm going to open up another group coaching. Um, they're 12 weeks, 12 week coaching programs, um, to be, to create that deeper intimacy with yourself so that you can have better, <laughs> more intimate relationships that are healthy and secure hmm. in your life. I love that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Again, you do fucking amazing work. So thanks everybody. Listen, <laughs> listen, listen and come up. and book in. <laughs> uh, do it for me. Um, on Twitter, that's where I'm the most active at the lady Pim one on Instagram. I'm at the lady Pim or at the bedpost podcast. The, uh, podcast has a Patreon guys, patreon.com slash the bedpost show. Um, and uh, I'm on TikTok for some reason as well at the Lady Pim. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, <laughs> I still haven't found it out. Um, and then, yeah, I never like to go an episode without thanking the lovely lady who does all the original music for the podcast. Her name is Stephanie Copeland. You can find out more about her at stephcopelandmusic.com. Uh, Shelby, this has been so fabulous. Let's have you back a third time. Let's make it a oh. hat trick. Okay. (laughs) Sounds good. And we'll see you next week, everybody, or two weeks from now, actually. We'll see you with another fun and sexy guest here on the Bed Post Podcast talking about sex and sexuality. Until then, get fucked, everybody. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. 